Good morning. Thank you for joining us this morning as we come together and worship God through song and through his word. If you'll join me as we sing, go tell it on the mountain. can sit down at home you can sit down on your comfort couch and so forth like that so uh, thank you for joining us today whether you're here or at home and uh, we, we, we we're approaching the birth of Christ aren't we uh, we just sang that go tell it on the mountain we we have the decorations up here the manger scene behind us and uh, Adam's sitting with the wise men right now so there we go so um, all good stuff Wanna wanna thank you guys again for joining us, and thank you for those that are filling in back at the at the controls and the soundboard and so forth, because uh, we have people who have COVID and are in quarantine. And so, I, you know, be aware of that. Want to pray for that. Let's do everything you can to be safe here when you go out to wherever you need to go. And so, um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna pray, and then I'll be back here in a second. Father, thank you for this day. Father, thank you for um, your presence. Father, thank you for the gift of your Son. Father, as we celebrate this Christmas season, let us be reminded why we celebrate. Because you sent the answer to our problems, Lord, in Jesus Christ. Father, who would be, be our, become our Savior, who would overcome death. And Father, we thank you for that. Help us to share that story, Lord. Fathers, we go out, share that with our family, share that with our friends. We may not be around a lot of people, but Father, I pray that you'd place us in the path of someone, whether it's on the phone or in person, Lord. We'd be able to share the gospel with them that they might understand why we're excited about Christmas, why we're excited 
about the birth of Jesus. Father, we pray for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Father, we pray that not only as we take this offering, but Father, as other churches across this land and around the globe take this offering, Father, that it would be used for your glory, for your honor. Father, the gospel might go to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, I, I do want to remind you this is, it's time to give to Lottie Moon. All right. So, there are envelopes outside. If you're online, you can go to the to the giving link, it's in the Bible app, or it's going to be posted on this feed in a little bit. But you can go on there and you can give to support the work of Lottie Moon. In the Bible app, the video links are there. We're not going to watch a video this morning here. We're going to go on and go into the, mu- the next round of music. But uh, let's sing together, let's worship together, and encourage you to watch those videos. If you haven't, read the stories. Baptist Press has been putting the stories out. They've been put on our page. Read those stories. Watch the videos. Because this is what excites me about being Southern Baptist, is that together we get to do this. You know, when I see that mission stories, I'm reading those throughout the week. The one in Italy, the other ones that were throughout the week. I get, I know that I'm part of it. I may not be called to go to those places. But because I put a check in an envelope that will eventually make it to the field, I get to be part of that work, and so do you. So thank you for doing that. All right, please join us again as we come together and worship through song.
Hey. 
All right, you got your Bibles there, you're in the Bible app. We're going to be in Joel chapter 2, and we're going to begin actually in verse 18. We covered the first 17 verses earlier, and we're going to start in the 18th verse. So, I have in my hand a, a it's a three circles box. It's got this little thing, and if I pull here, it changes what you can see. Now the question is, what's inside the box, right? What's, what do I get? When I open this up, and they have this nicely done, so I open this up, I get a, a wrist bracelet, I get a thumb drive, there's a couple books here, um, and there's, some fly, there's some more information inside of here, and you get a brand new ink pen. That all is inside of the box. So some of you guys you, um, might want this box, but some of you are out shopping for, for Christmas gifts. Now, I don't know how, because I'm not shopping. My kids are, are grown right now, so I'm not shopping for little kids. But I know when we were shopping for them when they were a little younger, one of the important things was to see were the batteries included, what's inside the box. Because there's nothing like opening up something and going, and they get all excited because they got their favorite thing, and then it needs batteries of which you don't have. And so that's not a pretty thing. You try to keep peace at Christmas. And you want to make sure what's inside the box. You, when you buy a car, when you go car shopping, you walk up, and what do you do? You look at the window sticker, and you see the, the total price, and you, you run for your life. Now, you, um, you also look above there, what do I get for that amount of money? What do I get for that amount of money? Do I, does it got cruise control? I mean, I think that's almost standard nowadays, but do I get heated seats? Do I get air-conditioned seats? Will it drive itself? You know, how much mileage to the gallon? Motorcycles, we don't have window stickers, but they do hang a tag on the mirror, and it tells me what it has on the bike, you know, those kind of things like that. So we all want to know what do we get with, with the purchase. What do we get if we do this? Sometimes in life, we don't know what we get. 
If you remember back in the first part of Joel, matter of fact, it's in the first chapter, it's in the second chapter, and what Joel does is he relays the word from God. That's what a prophet does, right? A prophet listens to what God says, and then he delivers it to the people. It's the kind of thing you hope that I'm doing, right? You hope that I'm listening to God and I'm delivering the message that God has given. So Joel delivers the message and it says, return to me. That's not return to Joel. That is return to God. Return to God. Rend your heart, not your garments. So what God is asking for the people to do is to repent. So what he's asking the people to do is they need to repent. And the beautiful part of Joel is this. We're going to read it. What happens? What happens if I repent? What, what, you know, it's that question when you're sharing somebody about the brokenness in their life, and if I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior, what do I get? Besides wet, right? What do I get? And that's the question that you want to ask. And, and God here spells it out for us. He, in, he, he encourages us. You know, we can preach with hellfire and brimstone, and that is to scare you into repentance, which is okay. I'll take it either way. The other part is the attractional part. If I repent, this is what I get to experience. This is what I get to experience. And we're going to pick it up in the 18th verse. Listen, remember, these people, the judgment has been pronounced. The judgment of the locust has been, the, it, it seems to be a historical event. It's going to be referenced in there where they watched everything that's been green go away. They had, no, the, the shelves would be empty because there was nothing coming in from the fields to the stores, to the marketplace. Then we read in chapter 2, which alludes to, that was just a, a, a picture of the coming judgment and of the day of the Lord, which will be worse than the locusts. So let's pick it up in the 18th verse of the second chapter. Lay this down. Then the Lord will be zealous for his land and will have pity on his people. Next slide. The Lord will answer and say to his people, Behold, I am going to send you grain new wine and oil, and you will be satisfied in full with them, and I will never again make you a reproach among the nations. But I will remove the northern army from you, and I will drive it into a parched and desolate land, and its vanguard into the eastern sea, and its rear guard into the western sea. And its stench will rise, and its foul smell will come up, for it has done great things. Do not fear, O land. Rejoice and be glad, for the Lord has done great things. Do not fear, beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness have turned green. For the tree has borne its fruit. The fig tree and the vine have yielded in full. So rejoice, O, Z o sons of Zion, and be glad in, your, in the Lord your God. For he has given you the early rain for your vindication. And he has poured down for you the rain, the early and the latter rain as before. The threshing floors will be full of grain. 
and the vats will overflow with a new wine and oil. Then I will make up to you for the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the creeping locust, the stripping locust, and the gnawing locust, my great army which I sent among you. You will have plenty to eat and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you. Then my people will never be put to shame. Thus you will know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. And my people will never be put to shame. So when we start out in the 18th verse, it uses this word, then. It uses this word, then. It is based upon our response, based upon our response. When we read through the judgment that is coming, the judgment that is prophesied, go back a slide there. When we read through that, what we see is here's what's going to happen. And God is asking them to return to me, to rend their heart, to seek forgiveness, to repent, to repent. It is, it is th this blessings that we're going to talk about in a little bit is based upon our response. It's based upon our response. If you, you're a history buff of the, of the Scripture, you'll understand what we learn there is what? When the people repent, God brings restoration. God brings forgiveness. When the people sin, God brings a judgment. Judges is probably the easiest place to see that. We see a pattern. It's described to us in the second chapter. It talks about how they, they sin. God sends judgment. The people cry out and God offers the forgiveness. It is what we call a, a roller coaster ride. That's what happens in the book of Judges. They would sin. God would send the judgment. They would cry out for, for forgiveness. God would bring deliverance and would forgive the people. Then once they're in that state of forgiveness where they're in fellowship with God, what would they do? They'd sin again, and then we'd start the process all over again. And it's not necessarily quick either because oftentimes we sin and everything seems okay. And then the judgment comes, and we feel like we can deal with it. We feel like we can buy and finally, when God presses on us hard enough, kind of like the, the press on the olive, olives, and, and we're squeezing that out, right? God squeezes them to the point where they repent. And God provides the forgiveness. So when we look in the book of Joel, it's the same kind of principle. The idea is this, that if you and I want to experience this, if you want to experience the blessings, if you want to drive the car home that comes at a price that you can't afford, what do you need to do? You need to repent. You and I need to repent. It is, it is then all of this happens. It doesn't happen without repentance. There's a song that, that plays in the back of my head, and it the title to the song, at least the main chorus, is Everybody Wants to Go to Heaven, right? But nobody wants to repent. And that's the fact. All, everybody, you know, if there's heaven, everybody wants to go, right? 
They've got their own visions of what heaven might be like. Some are going to be golfing all the time. Some are going to be fishing all the time. None of those things are described in the book of Revelation. So anyway, I'm going to go with what's there and know that I get to worship God. And the only way that I get to do that is how? Through repentance. I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. That's Jesus. That's John 14, 6. That's Jesus' words. Spoken to you and I. Spoken to the disciples before he goes to the cross. If we want what's on the other side, that restoration, it has to come through repentance. If these people that Joel is speaking to want what he promises here, want the blessings, what has to happen is they have to return to God. They have to rend their heart, not their garments. It can't be an outward thing. It has to be true repentance from the inside. And if we do this, then God will have pity on his people. Do you realize you are pitiful people, right? (laughs) As I'm reading this, even as I'm reading, I'm I'm going through the Scripture while we're singing the song, and I'm thinking this, I'm going, there are people here who are too proud to be pitiful, to be, that can't be me. But I want you to know what pity means is compassion and to show mercy. Unmerited favor. You didn't deserve it. Did these people, God God says, if you'll pay this amount, this is what I will do for you. All that they had to do was to repent, to rend their hearts, to return to God, and God would provide. It wasn't, if you'll do this many chores for me, if you'll pay this much money, if you'll be in my service for X amount of years, then you can experience this. God offers this pity to his people. We celebrate, we're about to celebrate December 25th, what? the birth of Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's John 3.16. He does that for us. The gift of salvation, it comes to us as what? A gift that's dependent upon what? How much money you have? How much? How many good things you've done? How many people you walked across the street? How many people you ran food by because they've had COVID and they were in quarantine? No. It's based upon Jesus Christ paying the price for you and you accepting that free gift of salvation. The pity that God has on his people because we can't get ourselves out of the spot. They couldn't get themselves out of the spot. Only God could provide the answer that we needed for our brokenness, for our situation, for the the punishment for our sin. God provided that. As I look today, over the week, I I see everybody starting their their Christmas sermon series. And here we are in Joel. I'm thinking, well, I'm probably going to be in trouble, right? Because I don't have my Christmas sweater on. I don't have my bells on or anything like that. 
But I am telling you, everywhere when you read in the Scripture, it points to why we celebrate Christmas. When I read in the book of Joel, it's about a people that needed to repent. The message of Christmas is about a people that need to repent because God provided the answer that we could not provide. That's what the birth of Christ is about. That's what's excited, exciting. And, and I'm telling you, the birth of Christ is exciting because I know the end of the story. It doesn't have one. He rose from the dead, triumphant over the grave. So the book of Joel is, speaks to the day of the Lord, speaks of his return. And it speaks to you and I who now in this point need to experience his compassion and his mercy and his pity by returning to him just like they did. Listen to the blessings that they would receive. The blessings that they would receive. When you read through the prophecy in and and the history lesson of the locusts, all these fields that were ripe with grain and, and the vines ripe with, with the grapes and the olive trees with the olives and the fig trees, etc. All of those, when we were over in Israel, they eat an abundance of fresh food. You know, almost to the point, I could almost become a vegetarian over there. They had a lot of stuff. They had a lot of stuff, and it was good. I mean, fresh-squeezed, I think it was mango on the streets. Stuff was great. Didn't need sugar added to it. You just squeezed it out of there, and you got it. You know, drank it. All of that was gone. There was nothing to pick in the fields, nothing from the tree, nothing from the vine. No ripe tomatoes, nothing. All of that was gone. Devastating. And if you grow a garden, you know that you just can't, you know. If you're cooking canned food, you just go to the store and get another can if you spill the first can, right? But when you're depending on it out of the field and it's not there, it doesn't grow back tomorrow. So there was nothing. What God promises to them is there would be produce. The, the, the removal of the enemy the removal of the enemy. And what we see here is a little bit of that double prophecy where it seems to allude to the, either the Assyrian army or the Babylonian army that would come and bring judgment on the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. But it also speaks of that which God will do when Jesus Christ comes back. But the enemy will be removed. Everything that was desolate. So it's a reversal. When we read through there, it's said that Joel describes it as a garden of Eden before the destroyers. Behind them, desolate wasteland. In front of them, the Garden of Eden. Behind them, Death Valley. Nothing. And now you have that reversal where what was desolate and Death Valley, kind of bottomable salt flat, nothing growing. Now is lush and green. And a recovery. God says what was taken from you will be restored. Will be made up for. The crops that you didn't be able to put in, the field, in there, the fields are going to produce enough to make up for what you lost. Isn't that wonderful? That's the blessing. That's the blessing that God offers. In the last verse that we read, in the 27th verse, it uses this phrase, there is 
no other. Okay, there is no other. The book of Joel is interesting. As you read through the book of Joel, Joel doesn't call out their sins, per se. Joel doesn't, you know, this is what you're doing wrong. You're, you're, you're abusing the, the, the poor. Uh, you're abusing the, your, your slaves, whatever. He doesn't address those things. He doesn't address they've chased after a particular false god. Now, I, when, I, when I look at the book of Joel, it reminds me of the story. When I was working in, in truck parts, I had a, a customer who could not rent another truck. Most of my customers either had spares or they, had, they could go to one of the, the rental agencies, the Penske's, the Hogan's, the Riders, the, the, and Ruan, whatever, and, and Rollins, and they could go rent a truck to pull the load and get it from one place to another. This particular customer had trucks that were particularly set up to go with the trailer, so they just couldn't slide another truck underneath. All it would be able to do is move the trailer, but it wouldn't be able to unload the product. So it was crucial that his truck get in and out as quickly as, as it could happen. And so he called me, and he says, what about my truck? Is my, because we were waiting on the, on the differential to come in. And, and so I called, and the differential had been there for days, and the shop just didn't, didn't put it in. And so this is like at 10 o'clock in the morning, and I called up the service manager and said, hey, this car, is, the truck is in your shop. The part is in the, the barn, is what we called it. I says, it needs to go out by noon. Well, he says, I need to call everybody in and figure out what went wrong. I said, no, you need to put two mechanics on and get it out the door. Okay, I don't care why it went wrong. At this point, it needs fixed. And it needs to go out the door. There are 10 bolts on the axles on each end, and there are probably 14 on the differential and in the U-joint. So about 50 bolts, two guys, out the door by noon. Let's make that happen. Oftentimes in our walk, what happens in Joel is, here's what's important, is let's return to him. Let's go back to him. There is no other might allude to the problem was this, though. They might have chased after other gods. That, may, that was a common thing that they did when you read through the Scriptures. Sometimes you and I, when I come to you and I say you have sin in your life and you need to repent of that, I don't need you to list those things individually, right? When somebody share with you the plan of salvation, that they ask you to list out all the particular sins, that they point out all your particular sins, all that you needed to know was what? That I am a sinner. And I need to repent. And that's what's going on here. When you do that, when you come back to God, you'll understand there is no other. There is no other God. Everything else that you chase after to find what He is giving isn't there. They could not provide. We chase after other things. Our jobs, or our families, or whatever, our, our livelihood, our, our careers. And we think that that's going to be the answer. And we find out it is not. It is God and God alone. And God says, when you return to me, you'll understand that there is no other. We need to come to that point. Because when we walk back into fellowship with God, we'll, under, we'll be standing on familiar territory. 
We'll be standing on familiar territory. It is the place that we should be. It is a place oftentimes that we have been. It was a place that we were created from. For in the book of Genesis, we were created to be in His presence, to walk with Him, to fellowship with Him. And that was separated. When you look at the story of the prodigal son, the prodigal was where at the beginning of the story? He was with the Father. He was in the place that he was designed to be. The prodigal son, standing in the place that he should be, decides to go elsewhere. He decides that there must be another. And he leaves where he should be. He leaves where he should be, and he chases down whatever it is that he's chasing down. And finally, as we walk through the story, we see the thing, we see the hand of judgment come down. And what does he do? He goes right back to where he began. He's back in that familiar place where he understands that there is no other. You and I need to understand that. You and I need to understand anytime we are not with the Father, we are not in the place that we need to be. We need to return to that familiar place. We're looking for the answers. We're looking for the blessings of the produce and the land and the peace. We're looking for the blessings in too often in the wrong places. We just got done with an election. Why? Because we think that's going to solve our problem. And we look at that. The, the place that we need to be is right with God. When we look through the book of Joel, it wasn't found, the answer wasn't found in some leader on the earth. It was found in a relationship with God. Found in a relationship with God. Folks, until we get it, until we rend our hearts, until we return to Him, we're going to be on the outside looking in. We're going to long for these things that are promised in the book of Joel. We're going to look on the out, we're going to stand on the outside. We won't be able to experience those things. We'll have to live like the prodigal did outside of where we belong instead of where God wants us to be. In the end, when that white horse, when that white horse comes bursting through the clouds, you need to be with him. This idea of heaven, the streets of gold, and worshiping him, it only comes when we're right with him. So what God says through Job about these blessings is this. They're waiting for you. Simply, they're waiting for you. Here is the promise of judgment. Here is the promise of what happens when you repent. You ever, you ever see one of those deals you can't pass up? This is one that God offers that I don't understand why I oftentimes do exactly what the prodigal did. And I walk away. And every time I come back, I think, why did I ever leave? I want to invite you to come back because God is waiting to bless you with His fellowship, with His presence, with all that He has. He, he owns everything. 
He will give you the contentment and the peace and the joy that the world cannot give. It's waiting for you. All that you have to do is return to me and then allow him to shower his pity upon you. Let's pray. Father, as we come to, to this time of decision, pray, Father, the words that were spoken, your word that was read, would speak to the hearts, my heart, to the hearts of those here, to the hearts of those that have listened online, to the hearts of those that will listen online later on. Father, I pray that we would see, Lord, what you have to offer us. And Father, we would not resist any longer. Father, we would give ourselves over to you. Father, we truly would rend our hearts and return to you that we might experience your blessings, your grace, and your salvation. In Jesus' name. This is you joining online and in person here. Here's the Have You Read assignment, Acts 25 and 26, Psalm 86 through 88, Proverbs 17. And since you finished up Esther, we're going to go into John. Okay, so we'll start in John.
we read the first couple of chapters in there, which is appropriate for this time of the year. So as you read about that, thank you for being here.